Are we good to go? Fantastic. Good evening. Merry Christmas Eve. It is wonderful to see you here. Thank you for coming out to to celebrate the fact that for unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born. He'll be called What are they? Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. For that and for so many reasons, we get to celebrate and honor him tonight. So I invite you to stand. There's going to be some songs that you definitely know, maybe one or two that's new to you. Uh, But all I ask is that you sing. Not sing, sing. Kind of a S-I-A-N-G, sing. All right. Put a little Mississippi in your step. Here we go.
All right, sing along with us. I know you know this one. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, joy the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King.
together before Pastor Gary comes up. God, we thank you for Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for the promise of his presence. 
thank you for the opportunity to come together here in public and worship and celebrate this amazing fact. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. If you're watching from Facebook or from YouTube, Merry Christmas. Glad you're tuning in. Uh, I'd like to take a moment. Please stand back up, please, for a moment, okay? Uh, I know you're anxious to hear, but from what I have to say, just kidding. Uh, well, I hope you are, because uh, I'm just basically going to read Scripture tonight. Would you do me a favor? Actually, do the people around you a favor. Can we just warmly greet the people around us? Can we tell them Merry Christmas and then maybe share with someone one of your favorite movies, Christmas movies, uh, and why it's one of your favorite? If it's Die Hard, you might want to choose another movie, though, for Christmas, all right? All right. So um, I don't know about you guys. I have several movies I kind of enjoy around Christmas time. Uh, and I guess one of them would be Elf. And <laughs> there are a lot of things I like about the movie. I like the, you know, after the Dr. Pepper scene. Uh, so and a few others. But, but one of my favorites. Uh, favorite Christmas story, though, of all time is the one we're going to read tonight. And as we read this text, I'm going to have it up on the screen for you. If you have your Bible, you want to open up to it. I'm going to be opening up to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And if you have a Bible, if you have it on your phone, you want to to read along there, that's fine. I'm going to be reading from the NIV text. And uh, as we read the text, what I want you to do tonight is I just want you to savor the story. Okay? I want you to, to savor it. I want you to... You know, one of the things I like about Christmas movies is not because when I watch these movies, I haven't seen it before. I mean, I've seen White Christmas many times. I've seen It's a Wonderful Life many times. But there's just something about those stories that warm a part of my heart because they are a part of my life. And I believe that the gospel and I believe that the story of Christmas is supposed to be that for us. It's... uh, So what I want us to do is I just want us to savor the story. We're not looking for new insights. We're looking for what's there. We're not looking for new insights. We're worshiping the Savior. Uh, And what we want to do is we want to rejoice in the gospel. We want to be shaped by the gospel. And we want to proclaim the gospel. So Luke chapter 2, I'm going to begin here in verse chapter 1 and read that for us. And uh, Luke chapter 2 says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of of Nazareth in Galilee to to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to 
to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Uh, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord surrounded them, shone around them. And they were terrified. Literally, they, they feared a great fear. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them. Uh, What had been told them? I lost my place. 17, thank you. Uh, what, what, what they had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to him, said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. God, <clears throat> tonight what we want to do is we just want to take a little time to remember, to reflect, uh, just to savor the story of the birth of Jesus and what that means for us. And so right now, we just want to come. We want, we want to ask you uh, to uh, help us to humbly receive the word implanted that is able to save our souls. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So several thoughts I want to share with you first. I just kind of want to reflect on the story here. And I want to reflect on the story in five acts, okay? Have you ever seen a play? Uh, any of you ever, I don't know, gone to San Francisco? Uh, anybody ever been, been to Broadway? Okay, a couple of you. Okay, I went a long time ago, saw a play there. And oftentimes plays are presented in acts. And then what I want to do is just kind of to think about the story in five acts. Act one is this. The emperor, okay, Caesar Augustus. The most powerful man in the world. The most powerful man in the Roman world. Uh, Issues a decree that sets the whole world into motion. Now think about this. That that Caesar Augustus, he makes this pronouncement. And he, he, he issues this decree that everybody is to return to their hometown to be registered. So for me, what that would mean is I'd have to get Joy, put her on a donkey, leader across the country, uh, to Brinkley, Arkansas. Anybody ever been to Brinkley? I thought so. Okay, I have. All right? A few times. 
Uh, and, and I would have to go there, and I would have to register. And literally what happened was that, that Mary and Joseph, they were living in this place called Nazareth, which was a very insignificant town in a very insignificant place called Galilee. It was a part, it was a part of the nation of Israel that was kind of looked down upon by other parts of the nation of Israel. And Nazareth was a town of really no reputation or maybe even low reputation. And that's where they were living. And they had to travel 80 miles by foot from Nazareth to Bethlehem. This is what I want you to think about. 700 years before this time, 700 years before Jesus was born, a man named Micah, a prophet of God, uh, he, God gave him a prophecy 700 years before uh, uh, the Messiah was to be born. And what he said is this. You, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over all of Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Micah predicts that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. But at the time that Jesus is born, at that time, uh, Mary and Joseph had been living, they'd been living in Nazareth, Nazareth, 80 miles away. They had no real reason to go to Bethlehem. And so God moves the heart of a pagan king that everybody is to be taxed and everybody is to return to their hometown. And, and I, 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 like, I can't really say this as well as he does, so I'll just share with you what Warren Wiersbe writes about this moment. He says this, Augustus Caesar was ruling, but God was in charge. You get that? Augustus Caesar was ruling, but God was in charge. God put it into the heart of an emperor to issue a decree that sent every single person living in the Roman Empire to their hometown to register. He set the entire empire of Rome in motion to do one thing, to fulfill his prophetic word through Micah, the prophet. The emperor issues a decree and sets the whole world in motion. Secondly, the baby is born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger. The Jesus, you know, this is something here. I want to, I want to get this one right. I, I, I want to get this right because, because I want you to get this right. Jesus, who was and is fully God and fully man. Jesus was not just a good, good moral teacher. He wasn't that. Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus was something more. When the Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God, it's not saying that Jesus is less than God. Jesus was and is fully God. That he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, fully man, born of a virgin. Jesus, fully God, fully man, went from the glory of heaven, the glory of heaven, to be born in lowly Bethlehem. Now, again, I just kind of want you to, to think about this. That God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, had lived in the presence of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit for all of eternity past. For all of eternity past, he had lived in a place of uh, constant glory. 
uh, that this same God who created all things, all things in, in, in the physical realm, all things in the spiritual realm, this God, uh, what he did was he descended from heaven, came in the form of a baby. The Jesus who was in very nature God did not consider equality with God as something to cling to for his own advantage. Rather, he emptied himself, emptied himself of all of his rights as God to take upon himself the nature of a servant. And being found in appearance as a man, he would humble himself and become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The baby is born in Bethlehem and laid in a feeding trough, a manger. Uh, Act 3, the gospel is proclaimed by angels to the shepherds. That what the, the, the angels say to the shepherds, Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Uh, the fourth act is this, is that God is worshipped by the angels. Uh, okay, God is worshipped by the angels. Okay, I, I don't... When we're saying that God is worshipped by the angels, I, I want you to think about this for, for just a moment. I, I don't know, anybody ever been to a really awesome concert before? Okay, a few of you. Matt, what's the, what's the best concert you've ever been to? You too? Okay. Uh, when was that? Okay, right after 9-11. Uh, I think I remember you telling me about it. You said it was almost like a worship event. And uh, why was it like a worship event? Okay, so quoted scripture. Okay, cool. Okay. Okay, that is like super cool. So you, you get that. Scripture is quoted. Uh, he takes the he takes the he, he he tries to get himself out of the spotlight and he tries to put the spotlight on others and uh, in nine eleven and and what people were going through and stuff. Now this is what I want you to think about. When angels worship, what does it sound like? When angels worship, what does it look like? You know, when, when I think about the angels worshiping, I think about this. I think about, you know, I don't know. Anybody ever been to a football game? Okay, a few of you. Anybody ever been to an awesome football game? All right, a couple of you. Uh, you've been to an awesome football game. You've seen your team score maybe in a critical moment, and they win the game. And the entire... Uh, the entire stadium just uh, erupts in cheering. I believe that's exactly what happened in heaven. I believe that the angels, when they observe what God the Son is doing, that God the Son takes on our humanity, is born and laid in a feeding trough, they are overwhelmed by the extent that God is going to to save people like me, to save people like you. I believe that heaven cannot contain the worship of God. I believed in that, more, that, that, that moment that, that it was like the, the heavens were rent apart. You know, kind of like the Hulk, 
You know, he can't keep it in a shirt, all right? It's kind of like that. You can't keep the angels and their worship contained. Because what God is doing in that moment is so awesome. And the angels worshiped. Uh, Number five, act five, is this. The shepherds go to see the baby, and they spread the word of what they heard from the angels. I want to share with you just a couple of thoughts here, some life points. And by life points, I'm saying these are points to live by. These are points that you want to think about. These are the kinds of things you want to shape your thinking. These are the kinds of things that you want to shape your life. And so I'm just going to go through them kind of quick here. First one is simply this. The gospel is good news that you don't need to be afraid. That the very first thing that the angel uh, angel says to, to the disciples is he says this. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Do not be afraid. Now, everywhere you read in the Bible, anytime people have this encounter with an angel, they're almost always gripped with fear at every single occasion. And in this moment, it must have been terrifying. It must have been terrifying for simple men, simple shepherds, uh, out in a field away from their town, maybe feeling very vulnerable late at night, and all of a sudden they see this angelic being. But the gospel is good news that you don't need to be afraid. Now let me talk about that for a moment in our modern world. When you, when you turn on the news or when you read your news feed, is, do you see headlines? Good news. You don't need to be afraid. Is that what CNN says? Is that what Fox News says? CBS, NBC, ABC? You know, the National Enquirer? I don't know. Whoever your, your, your favorite news feed is, is that almost every time I look at the news, I see bad news. You know, the, the, the polar ice caps are melting, you know, where we're, the government is going to spend itself into this place of oblivion. The economy is going to tank, or it is tanking. COVID is spreading everywhere. Omicron cannot be contained. There's a pandemic. There is, there is war. There is violence. Another person is shot and killed. Another person dies. Almost everything I see in the news is bad news. But everything we see in the gospel is good news. You see, the Bible and the story of Jesus is this. It is good news. Good news that we don't have to be afraid. Secondly, the gospel is good news of great joy. That it is one, it is, it is the kind of news... Uh, the, 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 the kind of news we get in this world oftentimes fills us with fear. Sometimes it fills us with dread. Sometimes it encourages hopelessness. Sometimes it encourages despair. But the good news is this, is that there is life in Jesus. The good news of the gospel is this. The good news of the gospel is this, is that in Christ there is no condemnation. None. In, in the good news of the gospel, there is no condemnation. The gospel is not a message of, of condemnation. The, the, the gospel is a message of salvation. 
In Jesus, there's no condemnation. In Jesus, in, in the gospel, nothing and no one can separate you or separate me from the love of God. Never, ever, ever again. And no matter what a person can do to you, no one can separate you from God's love for you. That, that uh, the gospel is good news. That in Christ, I am a new creation. I'm, I'm a new creation in Jesus. I'm no longer defined by either my accomplishments or by my failures. I'm no longer defined by the color of my skin. I'm no longer defined by, I don't know, being a Razorback fan. I'm no longer defined by any of the things that, that we look to sometimes to define who a person is. That in Christ I'm a new creation. All things are new. That means that, 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 that the uh, old is gone, the new has come. That in Christ, God is doing a good, good work in us. Uh, and I need a lot of work. I need a lot of work. But the good news in Christ is that God is doing a good work in me, in you. And that God will carry that work through to completion. God is never going to give up on me. And he's never going to give up on you. That God will bring that good work he's doing in us. He's going to bring it to completion. All those things that we long for in really, really good ways, he's going to do that into the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, the good news in the gospel is this, is that Christ uh, is preparing a place for us. He is coming again for us. And that one day, and I've been reading through Revelation, and, and I, I love to read Revelation chapters 21 and 22, that one day Christ will, ret- will return and he is going to restore all things. That the gospel is good news of great joy. Third, the gospel is good news for all people. It is. That's what, that's what the angel says. He says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You know what that means? That means the gospel isn't just for these people, but not these people. It means the gospel isn't just good news for these people, but not these people. It means the gospel isn't just good news, for, good news for Jews, but not for Gentiles. It means that the gospel is good news for Asians and for blacks, for Hispanics and for whites. It means the, God, it means the gospel is good news for rich people, for poor people, for educated people, for less educated people. The gospel is good news for all people. The gospel, the gospel is good news that a Savior has been born for us. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life without sin, died as an atoning sacrifice for my sin, your sin, was raised again on the third day. He ascended to the right hand of God the Father. You know what that means? He's got a whole lot of authority. There are only three things left for you and me. Repent, believe, and follow. Repent, turn from our sin. Believe, put our hope, our confidence in what Jesus has done for us. And then follow him for the rest of our lives. The gospel is good news that the Savior has been born for us. Number five, the gospel is good news to be treasured and pondered. You know, I love what, what Mary does when she hears this message from 
uh, the shepherds about all that they had heard and seen. And what the Bible says is that, you know, it tells us that the, that the, um, the shepherds rushed to find the baby, uh, Mary and, and Joseph. And they, they, tell, they tell them everything that they had seen and heard. And what the Bible says in verse 19, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. That she treasured them. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what you treasure. Um, I don't know what you value. Um, you know, I, I think my house is pretty important. If I went home tonight and I were to find that it was on fire, I'd, you know, I mean, I value my home. I, I value my friendships. I do. I value my family. But the question for me is where do I put the Lord Jesus Christ in all of that? Where do I put the gospel in all of that? That, that we should treasure our salvation. That we should treasure our Savior. We should treasure, that we should ponder. You know what it means to ponder? It means to think a lot. To think long. To think hard. To reflect. To meditate. To mull it over in our hearts and minds. To treasure, to ponder these things. And finally, sixth, the gospel is good news to rejoice in and share with others. You know, it's so fascinating to me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come on back up. Uh, you know, it's really fascinating to me um, what we see here. Uh, what we see here with the angels. You see, when they observe the birth of Jesus, uh, they rejoice. They rejoice. They rejoice that a Savior has been born. They, they rejoice and they proclaim. They proclaim. They proclaim the gospel. They proclaim the good news to the shepherds. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever had really good news that you just couldn't keep to yourself. You know, a while back, uh, my son... Uh, and his girlfriend uh, became engaged. And for them, that was really good news. Uh, it's not something that they hide, you know. Uh, you know, our, our soon-to-be daughter, not in law, but daughter in love, we like to, to call her. She doesn't hide her, her engagement ring. That She wears it proudly. She's excited that she's about to be married. That for her, it's it's... Uh, she loves to share with others that she's getting married. And, and um, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever gotten, like, really, really bad news before. Like, a few years ago, we got some really, really bad news. We were looking at an MRI uh, of joy of her neck, and we saw a tumor that was very large. I remember. I remember the doctor looked at it without pause. He said, that's lymphoma. And for me, you know, as a husband, you know, what terrified me the most is is I didn't want to just lose joy. But I didn't want my children. 
to lose their mom. That for me was really bad news. And then uh, there were a series of tests. There was a lot of, you know, they, they couldn't really figure out what was really going on. They did biopsies. They did surgery. And they began to do other tests. And nothing was coming back. And we just didn't know what to do. The doctors didn't know what to do. And then one day, one day, God healed my wife. The doctors, they didn't do it. Modern medicine didn't do it. Nobody knew how to explain. But somehow, some reason, the tumor was just going away. And that for us is really good news. I'm sorry. It's good news to rejoice in. And it's good news to share. And what I'm telling you, folks, is that in Jesus, we have news that's better than that. It's better than a cure to cancer. It is a cure to sin that separates us from God. That we have good news to rejoice in. We have good news to share with others. Um, I'd just like to ask you, is the good news of Scripture your good news? I want you to think about this. I don't want you to be quick to answer it for me or for anyone else. But I want you to think about, is the good news my good news? And if there's any, um, if there's any question in your heart and your mind, you can make the good news of the Scriptures your good news right now. And I think it's just as simple as admitting to God what we already know about all of us is that all of us are sinners, right? I am, you are. I mean, all of us have a capacity for selfishness, putting ourselves in front of other people. All of us have a capacity to, to, to do things, to think things that, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I was reminded last night of of the kind of anger that can live in my heart when my son was telling me about a situation that happened to him the other day where he was surrounded by several cars and by some, some men who meant evil against my son and one of his roommates. My son was very calm in the moment. I was angry just hearing about it. Um, I'm a sinner. You know, I know my capacity for sin. I need a Savior, and my Savior is Jesus. And if today you know that you're a sinner and you know, uh, if you know that you're a sinner and you know you need a Savior, my invitation to you is just simply say um, to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, please. Save me. Um, I have sinned. I am a sinner. But I ask you to do for me what I can't do for myself, to save me from my sin. And when you put your hope and you put your confidence in Jesus, God saves you. He makes you a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And you get to begin this wonderful journey of following Jesus. Uh, I'd like to lead us in prayer. And... um, I'd like us to all please just bow our heads, close our eyes.
And um, I want to share with you a prayer that I have prayed before. And uh, if it if my prayer is your prayer, I would invite you to just simply say it silently to yourself and to God. And it's it goes something like this. Lord Jesus, I need you. God, I have sinned against you in thought and deed. Uh, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I thank you, God, because you have raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I ask you to come into my life to forgive my sin and make me the kind of person that you want me to be. Tonight, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask everybody to keep your eyes shut, your your heads bowed for a moment. If you prayed that prayer, would you mind just raising your hand? All right. Thank you. You can put them down. God, we thank you for what you have done for us. Um, God, you are great and awesome. You are awesomely in charge. And when you mean to fulfill your word, you move the hearts of kings like pawns. God, we worship you and we praise you. Lord Jesus, we praise you because you lived in eternal glory with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, and yet you humbled yourself and took upon yourself our humanity. You were born humbly, and you lived perfectly. And God, you bore our sin on the cross. We thank you for that. God, tonight we just want to worship you. We want to thank you for what you have done for us in Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.
silent holy night uh, before we do our final uh, song here i just want to say thank you very much to eric and rich for serving in our sound and multimedia we really really appreciate it and i want to thank elsa clausen for joining and singing tonight it's uh, and and joy rounds of all it's we've been serving together for 25, 26 years? Longer, maybe? I don't know. It's It doesn't get old. And then Sean Franklin, you and I have been together for how long? Oh, like two months. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, a couple months. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you all for being here. And I've said this before, but happiness is uh, getting to do what you love with the people you love, right? And Ben Stiller said that in a real goofy movie, but it still rings true. So let's, uh, I was going to say, let's, I invite you to stand, but you, most of you are already doing that. And, uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. All right.
Let's sing that chorus. Fall.
church. One last time. Hallelujah. 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 Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. To wish you a blessed Christmas Eve and a wonderful day tomorrow as well. And I'd like to invite you back on Sunday. We will be having a service here at 10 a.m., continuing our final Christmas story. Good night.